my closing documents used to take me 45 minutes, assuming I was doing all the copying and pasting and all that kind of stuff. When I started using document automation, they literally took me five minutes, right? I mean, that is a huge time savings. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another amazing guest interview here on the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and boy, do we have a treat today. Uh, Our guest today is Melanie Leonard. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a backstory here. So um, right after, right when COVID happened, um, we were on the the tail of our first law firm growth summit. So our first law firm growth summit was in December of 2019, and then February, March is when COVID happened. And by, by the end of March, um, businesses were shutting down and there was this panic setting in to the, to the community, legal community included. Um, and we decided that we were going to run a 10-day event, um, basically like an hour and a half live stream every day for 10 days, where we were going to just address all the concerns that people were having about uh, COVID, um, happening. And during the course of those 10 days, uh, we decided to create something called the law firm growth incubator, just a, a, a membership for, uh, small law firm owners to get, be supported in their, um, in their journey, uh, as they tried to not just navigate COVID, but they tried to navigate running a small firm, uh, especially in the trying times that, that we were going through at the time. And I collaborated with two people to create the the Law Firm Growth Incubator. We essentially rotated through um, our calls, a call a week. Um, I was the person behind the the business side of it. Uh, you know, your your business model, your financials. Um, is, it, the, those were the topics I, I covered. Uh, we had Mark Homer from GNGF who covered the marketing side of things. And then we had Melanie Leonard from Streamlined.legal or Streamline Legal. I don't know which is the right way to pronounce that. Um, and she was our systems technology um, uh, guru when it came to uh, streamlining your firm um, and really uh, using using process and, and technology to uh, create uh, an awesome customer experience, and also to um, help you boost your profitability. And in the green room now, before we started this recording, I said, oh, um, Melanie, when was the last time you were on the show? And she was like, I don't think I was a guest on your show. And we went and looked. And sure enough, we've had her here through replays of other things we've done, but we haven't had her here as a guest on the podcast directly. Um, So I don't know what took us this long to make this happen, but I'm really excited to have Melanie Leonard with me on the show today. She's the founder and CEO of Streamline.legal. She's an attorney, entrepreneur, um, and I'm going to cut through all the 
the official stuff and just say she sold her law practice in 2018 and launched Streamline Legal, which is her passion. It's what she's really good at. Um, so much so that for the past five years, they have been the most sought after consulting firm in the legal tech industry and um, are re recipients of Clio's Partner-Led Excellence Award 2019. 20, 21, and 22. Uh, Melanie, welcome to the show. You know what, Moshe, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I agree, we should have done it sooner, but now that we're here, I'm thrilled. And hey, we'll just have to do it again. Yeah, so um, we definitely take repeat guests, but let's get one recording in and then we can bring you back Agreed. for a second. Um, but real quick, just give our, our audience the flavor. Like, who is Melanie? Um, I mean, we didn't talk about your Peloton. We didn't talk about your kids. Like, just <laughs> get to, let them know, like, who you are as an individual. Um, and maybe why does um, systems and, and workflows and technology light you up so much? You know, that's a great question. Um, so I... I'm an attorney. I mean, down at the heart of it, went to law school, graduated, started practicing at a firm, practiced at a couple of firms. And um, <clears throat> I actually got fired from my last law firm job. Um, and that was a little difficult to swallow and didn't like that feeling of being fired and decided that I was going to go start my own practice. And so I did. And um, I had that practice for about 13 years and built that from the ground up and did residential real estate in the Chicago suburbs. It was great. I mean, I really did enjoy that. Um, but I got to a point where I was just burnt out. Like, I mean, it, frankly, if you've done five closings, you've done a million, like they're very similar. Um, and so while it was still great to meet new people and work with new people, um, I got to the point where I was just done. And I'll tell you what really excited me at that time is something that still excites me to this day is helping other law firms use technology to create systems within their firms. And so I had been using Clio as my practice management software since it came out. And, you know, it took me probably 10 years before I was getting what I considered the most out of it, as far as like the document automation and all the awesome features that it has. And so I thought, well, if I could have done this in the first two years instead of the first 10 years, you know, how much further ahead would I be where I wanted to go? And so I started thinking about how I could help other firms do that and get there. And at the time, I didn't know anybody that was doing anything similar, frankly. I mean, there's a lot of great business coaches, of course. Um, there's a lot of great technology consultants that can help you decide what to buy and how to you know, run it. Um, but I didn't feel like there was anybody that was marrying the two things together um, to say, should I be using my software this way that the technology consultant tells me, or, you know, is it meeting my business goals, like my business um, coach is telling me. So those are the kind of things that we really take a look at and dive into with the firms today. So I decided that was really my passion. And that was something that I love doing, um, having done it for my own firm, and then for a bunch of friends as along the way, um, and the, turned it into a business, frankly, and figured out how I could create a business that would not only sustain itself, but help a lot more attorneys and their clients along the way. So here I am. Oh, my Peloton. I haven't even updated you since the last time we talked. I now have not only the bike, but also the treadmill. Um, I, for those of you keeping track, I, I 
broke my ankle a couple of years ago. And um, that rehab I was trying to do throughout the winter. Well, I live in the Chicago suburbs and that's not really practical to be outside walking around in the winter, um, especially after having broken an ankle. So that treadmill was pretty integral in that rehab. So um, yeah, it's it's been great. And my kids are still here too. You know, you know, I didn't tell you um, and folks, I have a Peloton too. So like, let's, maybe we should make a profit with law Peloton group. Um, so let me know if there's interest, you know, just, uh, shoot, shoot us an email or, 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 uh, send us a DM and, and, um, on Instagram or in Facebook and, and let us know if, if enough people say, Hey, let's do this, then uh, we'll totally put it together for you. Um, but I didn't tell you this, Melanie, I broke my foot last August. I saw that on the bike ride on Facebook. I'm keeping up here and that yeah. looked miserable. I'm oh so my glad goodness. you're doing better. Oh my goodness. It was, it was horrendous. I got a Liz Frank fracture, broke four metatarsals and it's actually not completely, you know, I'm not completely back to normal yet. Oh. Um, my foot still swell, swells and, and uh, it's hard to get like the Peloton. It's hard to get those shoes on my foot. Um, exactly. And, exactly. and what's weird is, is I broke my foot, but it's my ankle that's most affected right now because the muscles in the ankle were not used for six months. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's really where I have the biggest trouble is, is just like walking up and down stairs and, and just the, the, the flexion of my foot. But right. before we turn this into a whole medical <laughs> podcast, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm inspired by your, by your tread, your Peloton tread. I think I, uh, I think maybe I'm going to splurge for one, uh, right after I finish extending my house and marrying <laughs> off, I'm marrying off well, some kids. I'll tell you. Okay. So I don't know if you found, I'm assuming you found this to be true too, but, um, one of the things that really helped me during that time, because, you know, that six months that you've got your foot up and you can't go anywhere and do anything half the time you're on drugs. And so even working is probably not a good idea, even if you could from your laptop. Um, but what really helped me through that time was having workflows and systems built into my business already so that I could take advantage of that and not feel like the whole thing was going to fall apart just because I quite literally fell apart. At least my bones did. Um, so that was really, really something that was beneficial to me. Yeah. And, you know, we had at the last law firm growth summit, we had Mike McCallowitz did a keynote on his really on his, his book clockwork. Um, and it was all about this idea of having yourself set up so that the, the, the firm can run without you. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's this, this test that you can do, which is taking a four week vacation and you don't start at a four week vacation. You take one week and see how it goes. And right. then you take two <laughs> weeks and see how it goes. But ultimately the goal is, is when you can take a four week vacation, that is when you cannot prepare enough beforehand and catch up enough afterwards to make up for the four weeks that you were gone. Um, and that's when you really te test to see. Can my team operate on their own? Can they make decisions on their own? Can they succeed in keeping this firm operational without my guidance? Um, and that's when you know you've arrived. And I know we're going to jump in and talk about systems and workflows and all of that, but I want to take a step back um, and I want to tee this up with, with a little bit of history. So um, you know, back in the day when when the entire uh, marketing budget of law firms went to a, an ad in the yellow pages, um, law firms existed with everything on paper, 
And I mean, there were like the biggest job that they had to fill all the time was file clerks because the, literally there was file rooms and file rooms of paper. Um, when technology started to get Im implemented in other industries, um, lawyers looked and said, wow, that would be nice, but we can't do that. Um, eventually they decided to, to um, adopt technology at a very late stage um, in the technology boom. And, and this idea of practice management software started to, to come into, into fruition. And what practice management softwares did when they, when they first started was simply create a system where you can replace the paper. And that's all it was. The entire power of the system was in just being able to have an electronic repository of what would have been on paper. And I think that a lot of law firms stopped there. Like that's what they do with their with their practice management software, whether it's Clio, whether it's another application, that's it. Maybe I've got a calendar implemented. Maybe I'm using some time tracking tools in there, but there's a lot of features that these vendors are coming out with that people just don't even know are there or they don't understand the power of what it can do. So what I'd love to do is, you know, as we dive into this conversation is uncover, what are you finding when somebody engages you? They probably already have a system in place, right? They probably already are a Clio user. And they're like, hey, I need you to help me with making this work for me. What, what are you finding is the top three most underused features in today's practice management software systems? Yeah, I'll tell you that um, they are coming to us usually having something, usually having Clio in our example. Um, but honestly, like, I hope they're using it as well as they use paper, right? Like there's still a lot of firms that, you know, they've got their spreadsheets outside of their practice management software where they're tracking this, that, and the other. And they've got this document template outside of the practice management where they're tracking this, that, and the other. So I feel like... Um, Yes, a lot of them have kind of replaced the paper with the practice management, but some of them have really just kind of supplemented it and um, it, usually not in their best interest, frankly, because now things just get more dispersed and it's trickier, right? Um, but as far as the features that I find are most underutilized, so to speak, is every practice management software out there, or at least of the larger ones, um, they all have some type of document automation, right? Now it may be more robust in some and more basic than others, but if that's already where you're putting the information, that's a great place to start your document automation journey, right? So if you have never automated a document in your life, or if you've only used a mail merge or something like that, I would highly recommend look at that feature within your um, software, because again, you've already typed these people's contact information into your software. You've already put in particular dates or information, right? And a lot of times that can be fed into the document. Now, it may stop there, or you might have something more robust where you can actually create some conditions, right? If this is in there, then do this in the document. If that's in there, do that in the document. It may be basic, it may be robust, but it's a great place to start if you're not using anything because again, that document preparation software can definitely save you tons of time. I did residential real estate when I was practicing. And so um, my closing documents used to take me 45 minutes, um, assuming I was doing all the copying and pasting and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I started using document automation, they literally took me five minutes, right? I mean, that is a huge time savings. 
you know, multiply that across how many ever closings you're doing or whatever. Um, I mean, if you're not using this software and this technology, you're really missing out. So now, document is, automation, I'd say would be number one. Is the document automation um, that's available in Clio, is that their purchase of Loya that's now implemented into the product? No, that's a great question. So Clio, before they before they purchased Laya, actually had its own internal document automation. They still have that feature. You don't have to buy Laya to be able to do document automation in Clio. Um, so that is definitely a feature that's there. Now, some people also have Laya, which um, it's also owned by Clio. So you can use either one. But no, usually most of the products already have that built in. And for Clio specifically, they have a separate one from Laya that is built into Clio Manage itself. So I just want to take a, a moment because I think that you jumped into um, some of the, the technical technical speak um, for, you know, for our audience, like some people may not even understand what document automation is. Yeah. So can we just can we just talk about that for a moment? Like what's yeah. possible to be done and and describe how it works? Like you you, you indicated the, the real estate example, right? Sure. So. Um, I imagine that when you're preparing for a real estate closing, it would be different if it's a, uh, well, you give the examples, right? Sure. Like, okay, so sure. let's take two residential real estate closings where one has something that the other one does not, and that would affect the document and you can automate yes. that. Yes, absolutely. So at the most basic functionality, what we're talking about is I have a template or I have a form that I'm going to fill in some information, right? So maybe it's an engagement letter where I'm putting in the client's, you know, the potential client's name and address and things like that. I'm putting in how much I'm charging them, that kind of information. That's just feeding information out of my software into the template um, to create this document, right? So that's the most basic form. But if you want to get more complicated, and I suggest that you do if you want to get the higher value, is I can go ahead and let's say I have a D for a closing, right? And let's say I have a client who is single and he's going to go ahead and purchase this piece of property by himself. And so I can just simply feed my client's name into the document, into the deed and prepare the deed, right? That's easy enough. But what if I'm also representing um, in another deal, I'm representing a husband and wife, right? Well, now it's probably not enough just to put the one person's name in there. Now I need to put both both um, person's name in there. And so I'm going to go ahead and code that document or code that template so that it pulls both the client and the co-client's name, right? Or the spouse and the husband and the wife and whoever. So um, the nice part is that you can come up with some rules essentially that say, if there's one client, just put the one client's name in the document right? If there's two clients, please put both clients' names in the document, right? So I can still have one template, one document, one form that I'm using, but the software is smart enough to know if I code it this way to go ahead and put either one name or both names in there. And that I find to be super, super helpful because now what happens is once you give those rules to the software, they remember it. I mean, the software remembers it forever, right? It's not like a human where we have to rely upon them remembering or understanding the difference between this and that. If we're putting this information into our software the same way every time, it's going to spit it out the same way every time. But therein lies the key, right? We still have to have those people that are entering the data in the consistent manner in order to make that work. So I, yeah, there is a huge, huge benefit 
to using a software like that and taking advantage of that capability. Yeah, there there is a terminology in 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 the IT world that's uh, garbage in, garbage out, um, and that's and that's where that comes from is when it's so important that you have standards when you have data entry. In other words, what are the the fields that are required? Like what sometimes a checkbox seems so insignificant, but if it's a checkbox that indicates whether this second person is also to be named in the deal, um, then that's, that's going to affect everything that gets that gets produced. And yep. you can have all the information in. You can have their name, their address, their phone number, their social security number, whatever you need. But if you didn't check that box, it's not going to trigger all the things that needs to trigger behind the scenes. So um, and then the other thing is also like, I don't know, maybe like capitalization, right? Like if you like to have everything in caps when you put somebody's name in a document, if you don't enter their name in caps on the front end when you put them into the system, well, guess what? It's just going to take their name the way it is and put it in your documents. And sometimes it can look pretty childish when you have an entire name as in lowercase because the receptionist is the one who entered it and doesn't have any guidelines. And now you produce a document and you've got their name spelled that way on, on the legal document, which doesn't well, look good at all. And let's be honest, like that that's a very clear example when we're using you know document automation software. You can very clearly see the effects, right? But the same is true of anything we do in our office, right? Whether it's I'm, you know, I'm getting ready for the closing itself and I need these particular documents and no one prepared them and I was expecting them to be prepared. Like if we're not setting up those expectations and those guidelines, then our team's gonna have a lot of trouble supporting us, right? They're basically guessing and they're having to get better and better and better at guessing. And that takes time, right? Whereas if I can just put this all out into a software or onto even just a word document, right? So that people have the same expectation I do, then that's going to make life a lot easier, right? It's not going to take as long to train people. I'm not going to get as frustrated because things aren't done the way I want. Those are the kind of things that a lot of times we overlook thinking, oh, it's going to take a long time to figure that out. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time, but how much time are you spending in the meantime with people not doing it the way you want or having to redo it 10 times to get there, right? So I, I think while it's a great example in the document automation, it actually carries across to pretty much everything we do within our businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So document automation was the first. What's the second? Um, so I'm going to say the second one is a scheduling tool. And I'm talking about things like Calendly or Acuity or, you know, um, I think Microsoft has one called like Book Me or something like that. Um, those tools I find to be just like a game changer, right? And a lot of people um, get really worried about how the tools work because they're afraid that the tool is going to like take over their lives or rather allow their clients to take over their schedule. Um, and that's not necessarily true, right? I have found on more than one occasion, if you're setting up this software, it can actually help you take control of your schedule as opposed to give away control of your schedule. And that's what I think is huge. Just like we were talking about the document automation, we can code the software with all the rules about capitalization and you know who goes in the document and things like that. We can do the same thing with our schedule, with these scheduling tools, because we can put the rules in as to when we want to take appointments or don't want to take appointments or what type of appointment or how long is the appointment. All those things we can put into the software. And now, again, less training. Now I just have to train someone to click on a link and it's going to happen the right way every time. Whether, by the way, that's my trusted assistant who's been with me for 20 years 
or it's the new person filling in because she went on a well-deserved vacation for a week and someone else has to schedule now. So, um, you know, I find that that is so underutilized and so, so powerful within our business and the firms that we've been working with. And there's so much that you can do behind the scenes with automation that integrating different platforms. So even if your scheduling software is outside of your practice management software, you can have things happen automatically to trigger when somebody schedules schedules a call. Uh, yeah. For example, you need to build them for that call, right? So you can you can have an invoice generated by the fact that they actually scheduled a call. You could even take payment up front for that call, but then that's, there's a problem if they have retainers, stuff like that. Um, so, but there's there's definitely things that you can do that are some pretty cool um, that uh, using these tools can can give you give you additional steps that get automated that doesn't require hands on. Uh, oh for yeah. Your staff. My, my favorite one for the scheduling tool is just the reminders. Like the, you know, if, if we're doing these reminders, just internally, our office sending out emails or calling people like that can take a fair amount of energy, time, money. Um, but if these are all automated through the scheduling tool, I mean, forget it. You're going to get way higher, you know, show up rates and spend a lot less time reminding people. So absolutely. And, and, and what, if you're doing manual reminders, it, Sometimes they don't get done because somebody was busy with a different task mm -hmm. or they were out sick for the day. Right. And now nobody's reminding anybody. So that takes that away completely. Um, here internally, we have it connected to Zoom. So anytime that somebody generates an appointment on my calendar, it automatically generates a Zoom link um, for that for that appointment. Um, and there's a link in all the reminders to that specific Zoom call. Um, another thing that we do is we like uh, today we're doing podcasting, right? I'm, I'm recording six podcast interviews in a single day. Well, when we invite our guests to join the show, we give them a link to schedule when they want to come. And there's only one day a month that we're doing podcast interviews. And that's all they see, even though there's plenty of other time slots I'm available but I won't do podcast interviews during those times. So you can create these different types of appointments, different types of time slots, and you can really protect your time uh, by just defining when am I available for this kind of call? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So third, third most underutilized uh, tool in the toolbox uh, behind document automation and, and calendaring systems. You know, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to go with, there's, there's so many to choose for Moshe. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to go with, everybody loves getting paid, right? I mean, that's why we have a business. Frankly, we do want to help people, but we can't do it without supporting that business and, and supporting the people that are helping us help the clients. So um, we do need to focus a little bit on getting paid. Um, I am a big fan, and I don't see a lot of firms doing this recently, um, I'm a big fan of actually texting a link to my clients to pay their bills. Um, I feel like it's kind of something that, you know, still, <laughs> I like to think I'm not that old, but when I was practicing law, you know, we still sent out paper bills, right? Like that's just how we did it. And there's yeah. plenty of firms that still do that, frankly. Um, I think there's a lot more that now send them out via email, which is great, right? Like that's a step ahead. Um, but even with the email, I find that depending on who your clientele is, they may or may not be checking that email too often, right? They might just be providing that to you because they have an email address because they felt like they had to have one, but it's not like they're looking at it all the time, right? Um, so 
being able to use some type of, whether it's a link or a QR code or whatever you, your system provides you, and being able to text that to your clients as opposed to any other communication method, I find gets a much faster payment, right? Because here's the thing, if they look at that, they're not going to want to like come back to it later because it's much harder to find and come back to a text message you didn't think about. You can't mark it on red or something like that, or at least in most systems. Um, and so being able to just pay it and get it done with is really appealing to a lot of people, right? Especially if they have the money, right? Um, if they don't have the money, well, great. This is a great reminder to let them know that they need to figure out how they're going to get this money, right? Um, but I really feel like you get such a better response by texting it just because, again, a lot of our clientele, that's where their attention is. And so if we can get in their attention, then we're going to be much more successful. Now, there's other ways, client portals and things like that, which I think can also be successful. Um, but I really just think that that texting has uh, just a, another level of response these days. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love that idea of texting. And and it brings me back to, to and I don't want to get too lost in, in this part of the conversation, because I just want to make sure that we get to um, one component that we needed to talk about. But real quick. Um, one of my first, my first, actually my first law firm client that I had um, was on the accounting side um, and they, they were struggling with getting paid. Their accounts receivable was, was out of control. And what we discovered, and, and we were not, you know, Clio professionals, right? We were, as a matter of fact, we, Clio was the first time we saw Clio was, was at this client. Um, but what we discovered was that they were not doing a good job of requesting retainer replenishments. So essentially, they would send out invoices, bill against trust, and then when they depleted their trust account, they would start just continue sending invoices to the client. If the client didn't pay, they just continue working. Like there was no there was there was no mechanism in place to say, "Hey, the retainer is out. We need to replenish it." They didn't replenish it. We need to stop work on the case. Um, and we basically went in there and helped them to use Clio's tools because it's built in. It has the ability to do that. Create a template to request a retainer replenishment, create criteria for, um, you know, who's going to get it. And then you just batch it out. And it's literally like, click, 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 a couple of clicks. And it's sent out. You may, I don't know. I haven't been in Clio in a long time. Maybe you can automate it now and not even have to click, a, click a few times. Um, but that step number one is asking for the money. Oh yeah. And then, oh, yeah. and then step number two is making sure that you got the money. But um, I love this idea of, of texting, but if if you're not if you don't even have a good system in place to make sure that you're asking for the money, it's not which message are you sending, it's you got to send the message. So um, I, I think that that we need to pay attention to that. If accounts receivable is an issue for your for your firm, there's a lot of things you can do to fix that, um, and that's that's one of the places I would look. Okay, uh, when we started this conversation, you mentioned workflows, and I know that that's an area that um, is not looked at a lot, um, but can really be the lifeblood of an efficiently run firm, especially if you're thinking about uh, Mike McCallowitz and clockwork and the queen bee role, and you're really trying to get yourself out for your four-week vacation. Um, so talk to me about workflows and then how you can use technology to streamline that within the workforce. 
Yeah. You know, and I think workflows really get a bad rap sometimes, I think, because people think, oh, well, you know, I don't want to turn into a McDonald's law firm, right? Like, I don't want to be the high volume, you know, we don't know our clients at all. And we're just processing foreclosures or something, right? Um, And nothing against the foreclosure attorneys, they do a great job. Um, But (laughs) I think that, um, I think the opposite is actually true from what I've experienced when um, with not only my own business, but other firms that we've helped, when you're able to make very clear expectations and set out very clear processes for how you want to do things, um, whether it's your personal preference or, you know, something the team comes up with you, which I would recommend. Um, But when you come up with those clear expectations, now people can rely upon things that are happening in the firm and information they're getting, right? As opposed to, you know, oh, I saw that somebody sent me this email, but now I got to go research all this stuff to figure out if it happened the way I think it happened. No, now we know everyone's following the process. So this is what we can expect. What it does is it buys us more time and usually more money as a result to spend with our clients and helping them with whether it's the handholding that we want to be able to, you know, establish a good rapport, or maybe this is a client that has some unusual circumstance that we need to spend a little extra time addressing with them or problem solving with them. Um, you know, it really does buy us that time and energy to be able to do that. Because if we're instead recreating the wheel every time or feeling like we're recreating the wheel or the team feels that way, we're not going to have that time and energy to spend that with our clients and to really give them a great customer service. So what our clients are looking for by and large is for us to solve their problem, but to do it in a very effective and customer friendly kind of way, right? So you could be the best attorney in the world and get the best result. But if you never tell your client because your communication is terrible, then were you really the best attorney? <laughs> like, um, so I really feel like creating these workflows is a win-win, right? It creates not only a win for you to be able to rely on information, have more time, buy yourself that time, um, but then also for your client to know what to expect down the road, give them those clear expectations. And then when you actually live up to those expectations, that's where you start creating some awesome goodwill all around. Yeah. Now, just to to be clear, workflows, uh, I'm assuming, are basically step-by-step processes that you do to accomplish a specific task or or job in the firm, right? So for example, um, I engage a new client. There's a workflow for how to bring that new client on, what information to gather, what emails to send, what packet to ship out, what, you know, what appointment to set, stuff like that. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be anything more formal than that, frankly. I mean, I could just write it down on a Word document or my notepad, right? Um, Where I find a lot of value though, is if we can take those off of the notepads and off of the Word documents and stick them into our task management software or, you know, our practice management software, the task feature or whatever workflow feature you have in your software, that just like up levels it, right? Because now I can actually have the software trigger the right people at the right time. And it's not me feeling like I'm constantly pushing the firm ahead, right? I'm the one that has to like tell everybody that they're doing the right thing, or they always ask me what they should be doing. If we've got this built into some type of software, the firm can practically run itself, right? Obviously it's going to need some oversight and some input from you, but I will tell you from having worked in a firm without workflows and working in a firm with workflows, you definitely want the workflows. I mean, it just puts you in a much better position, makes your firm so much more proactive than reactive. Yeah. I want to go back to your McDonald's analogy because 
you're using you use the analogy to demonstrate that like okay i i don't really want to have a low quality product because i you know we're we're a an assembly line right and i, I want i want to just go back to that for a moment because when i think of mcdonald's i think of a place where i can show up place my order on the app show up in the drive through give them my order number and within three minutes of arriving at McDonald's, I have my order in hand and everything is there exactly the way it's supposed to be. And yep. I drive away. Yep. I have a Dunkin' Donuts across the street from me. And when I go to Dunkin' Donuts during the week, the line moves very quickly. And when I go on the weekend, I there could be one car in front of me and I can sit there for 20 minutes waiting to be able to place my order and, and collect it. What's the difference? Yes. The difference is that in McDonald's, they're following a workflow. They're, everybody who walks in the door is doing the exact step-by-step -step process of how they're preparing, taking the order, preparing the order, delivering the order. At Dunkin', each person who walks in, they all know that when this order was placed, they have to complete the ticket, but there isn't a routine. There isn't set people who are doing the different things. And so now you've got somebody who comes in on the weekend and they're all confused about what they're supposed to be doing. So they take two to three times as long as the person who's doing it all week. And that's, you know, that's the experience to the customer. It's not, Oh, is McDonald's a lower quality product or is Duncan a higher quality product? No, it's the experience that I'm receiving in the process of delivering an item to me. What, what does that feel like to me? And I think that when you're able to create a consistent experience across the board, that's when you can ensure client satisfaction, even if they don't get the outcome that they wanted legally, their experience with your firm can be a great experience. And if you have inconsistency in that delivery, that's where bad reviews come from. That's where clients who didn't like you come from. And you're going to sit there scratching your head, wondering where you went wrong but you're never going to know because it's somewhere somebody didn't do something that they were supposed to because you're not following a step-by-step -step process. I think that, um, you know, you really, uh, I don't, you don't need my, um, <laughs> my endorsement of, of your opinion, but I th really think you're onto something with how important workflows are to create that consistency in the firm. Um, and it doesn't take away from the quality of the job that they're doing or the quality that the customer is receiving, right? It's just about creating consistency. Yeah. And I absolutely agree. I also think there's plenty of firms that are working on a high volume business model, right? Like, I mean, I've worked in those firms before, right? And that's a choice, right? They can do it that way. Um, but for those of us that are not opting for a high volume workflow, there's still going to be the benefit in the consistency, even though I'm not churning out a hundred of the same thing every day, right? So maybe I'm doing 10 a month, right? There's still going to be a lot of benefit in that consistency that you still want, despite the fact that you're not, you know, this billion dollar, billion burgers a year industry. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree. The consistency is what we want to take out of that so that we can make sure that's a high, consistently a high um, result that we're giving to our clients are high experience. Um, sometimes you, like you said, despite the legal results that we can't always control. Now is, is there, are there tools within Clio to assist with workflow or what, like, where do you send your clients to, to create their workflows and to implement them? Yeah, absolutely. I always say just start 
because the hardest part is just getting it out of your head, right? Like just start writing it down wherever you feel comfortable writing. Um, once you've actually gotten it out of your head, then I would go to the tools to start looking at what works well. We are big fans of Clio's task um, functionality. They have task lists, which are basically their um, templates that you can use. Um, and it's fantastic. I mean, I can, I, when I did real estate, it was like, here's the 50 things I do to represent a seller in a transaction. I stick it in the software the minute we start and it triggers the right person at the right time to do whatever their part is. So yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's a great resource. Um, but even if you don't have Clio, you know, your, the functionality is definitely within the software. You just have to find it. Awesome. Awesome. Melanie, we're like halfway through this conversation, but all good things need to come to an Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't like saying this term. All good things need to come to an end. Um, <laughs> this conversation is going to come to an end because we're out of time. Yeah. Um, I, I have two parting questions for you, sure. uh, but we definitely need to get you back on here to continue. I think that uh, we left a lot of stones unturned, um, but it's really been great having you here. And I appreciate you, your expertise and your time um, sharing with our audience. And I'll definitely let you know if we have people knocking our doors down for a Peloton group. Absolutely. Um, I'm in. So here are, here are my parting two questions for you. Question number one is what is the uh, parting piece of advice or wisdom that you want to share with our audience? And number two, how do they find out more about you, get in touch with you if they want to take further steps in learning more about how to work with you? Yeah. So number one, I, my parting piece of advice is just simply don't make it more complicated than it needs to be right. Like there are some fancy policies and procedures out there and there's some great software that can make it really effective for you. But if you're starting from the beginning, or even if you have something you're looking to improve upon just one step at a time, I mean, just write it down on a piece of paper or just go into your software that you already have something and make little tweaks here and there. This doesn't have to be a project that you take on, you know, I'm going to get it done this quarter and then I'm going to do it. You know, it'll be done for the rest of time. Maybe that would be a great goal, but even if you're not there yet, you know, just little tweaks day by day are definitely going to put you in the right direction. Um, so yeah, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Now, if you are looking for help, um, I would love to connect with people, your listeners here that are interested in um, helping with that or getting help with that. We are located at streamlined.legal online. You can find us on the website, www.streamlined.legal um, or Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. Although we haven't yet dived into threads, so I'll keep you posted. I have not dove into threads either, nor have I dove into TikTok. As a matter of fact, I got an alert from Google. So I have a, like a, a alert set. Google alerts me when my name is used somewhere in the internet. Yep. And I got an alert that Moshe Amsel was mentioned on in TikTok or whatever. And I went to and I went to TikTok, so I had to actually like create a login in order to see what it was. And there was somebody with my name and I, I didn't know if it was like, that's their name too, or if they're like just using my name and likeness to like, try to like get people, you know, uh, to follow them on, on TikTok. I did not like the content that that person was posting and I have no idea who they are, but apparently there is a Moshe Amsel on TikTok, but it's not me. Um, well, you know, you'll find us on TikTok. So uh, have fun while you're over there. <laughs> 
um, yeah, I, 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 we'll get there when I have somebody on staff who can spend time there because there's no way that I have time. I have any right. room in my life to, to be spending on that <laughs> yeah, platform. You got to keep your priorities where they're at, right? <laughs> yep. All right, Melanie, it's been great. Uh, folks, if this was an episode that you enjoyed, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when we release a new episode. We're here every single Thursday with a brand new episode great guests, amazing people, Melanie included. Uh, and we're going to have another amazing one for you in one week next Thursday. Uh, you may not know this. I've been talking about it for a long time. I'm going to keep talking about it till I'm blue in the face. We have a brand new YouTube channel that we launched in March. So March of 2023, we launched our YouTube channel. Um, we, you know, like anything, when you start, it just starts small, but we're over a hundred videos on there um, and over a hundred subscribers. Why don't you help us get over 200 subscribers? But really you want to subscribe to it. Here's why we're taking these podcast episodes and we're putting them on video. And if you're already listening on audio, that's not so exciting. But what my team is doing is they're scouring hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of content and pick pulling out 30 to 60 to 90 second increments of amazing content and making YouTube shorts for you. So you can come in, you can get a blast in 90 seconds, and just completely change your world. Um, on top of that, I also spent two days down in Miami, Florida with a video crew and recorded a bunch of professional videos that we, we are releasing every single week over the course of a year. Um, and you can only get that on YouTube. So go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd love to have you engage with us there. And we'll catch you next week, right back here on the Profit With Law podcast. Enjoy your weekend. Take care. Thank you for tuning into the Profit With Law podcast. Your feedback is extremely valuable to us as well as helping us reach more people with this valuable content. Please leave us a rating and review in your favorite podcast directory. Join us again next time when we are back with even more strategies to profit with law.